we have as our offer an angel and a seed round open at about $2 million worth of tokens at a 16 and $25 million valuation. Hello friends and welcome for a new episode of The Tavern, episode 13 of the Shark Tank of the Metaverse, where Web3 gaming projects pitch to guild leaders and VCs in order to get feedback, but also direct, uh, actually to get funding, but also direct and transparent uh, feedback. So today we only have uh, VCs and guild leaders that have already been in the show. So I'd like to get some alpha from them. Uh, as you know, things are getting a bit more interesting in the market right now we see green we're happy i'm happy i think everybody is a little bit more optimistic uh so i would like everybody to tell me um one information or one thing you know that you think is being completely underestimated by our industry right now so it can be big but nobody is thinking or talking about it right now and i will start to give you an example i think that the the uh, uh bab so binance account bound token uh, which is a non-transferable nft that proves that you did a kyc through binance i think this is a super powerful tool that will help uh, web3 games kind of uh, you know have a proof of humanity uh, so it will help build kind of a decentralized player identity and also fight against bots so it's already there and it's already working and i think that if teams start to leverage that it can be super powerful so this is the thing information i think is being completely underestimated right now. So on top of my head, I would have actually given a very similar answer, which is a bit of a shame, but um, I actually think that although not completely ignored, we don't focus enough on, on identity. I think it's something that um, has proven to be really relevant over the past two and a half, three years, um, thanks to COVID vaccines and all of these things, um, and actually in a Web3 world can deliver quite a lot of value. So teams such as Atalao or Spruce, um, definitely not being ignored, even that I think Spruce is still in the white combinator, um, deserve a bit more spotlight. All right, Will. I think this one's going to make you happy, but I think at the end of last year, uh, people started to kind of dismiss guilds a bit in terms of thinking of them as vehicles for scholarships. But I think there's going to be a big resurgence in the need for guilds um, on the scholarship side, but also just in these aggregators of, of players. Um, I think uh, there's a huge need right now on the game side and investors are looking for where are Web3 gamers. And I think whoever can kind of deliver that in a package is, is going to win big. Um, so I think guilds are going to see a big resurgence with less of a focus on scholarships. Yeah, actually to rebound on that, that's, we're about to publish a big thing that we've been working on, case studies, where we connected guilds and games, and uh, like games actually acquired players like that, and the guild were very happy because they're being paid for that, so uh, the model has been working. You'll see the figure, it's pretty interesting, will be out in a week or two. Uh, Nico? First feedback on that, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that scales, um, so look forward to, to, to what you put together. Um, apologies for the voice, by the way. If uh, if you see me coughing my lungs out, that's because my lungs are not doing the best uh, today. Um, I think uh, one piece of information that I think people are not looking at is if you grab a um, a chart of per country, how many 
adults and what percentage of the population owns a cryptocurrency wallet, you'll see that if we're building a game and we're trying to make that a Web3 game and we're targeting it at Western players, we're actually making a big mistake. I think India and other developing or emerging countries are going to take the lead when it comes to Web3 games. Um, and um, I'm pretty bullish on games that are focused on, on that um, geo. Interesting. All right, Ilio? Um, I think that we need to start looking at scalability for blockchains in a more complete way. I think everybody was focused for a while as to how much you can write to the blockchain. I think as more applications are going up, I think we're going to start noticing that you need to be able to read from the blockchain efficiently. And I think that teams that are focused on that side of it as well will start getting a little bit more attention uh, once you start communicating and start to be able to kind of do do, do a lot of kind of uh, Web3 communication stuff and updates. You need to be able to read uh, from the blockchain in a very efficient way. And uh, right now, a lot of what we're doing, you know, is, is even as basic as kind of curating marketplaces is very much limited by how we're reading um, that data. All right. Thank you. So today uh, the, we will uh, listen to the pitch of Luke from The Fable. Today's episode of The Tavern is sponsored by Tezos and Blockborn. Tezos is a major layer one among the first to implement proof of stake. It is increasing its effort to expand into Web3 gaming with the help of Blockborn. Blockborn is a gaming platform and software company. They build tools to enhance the gaming experience like Battle Pass and tournament software integrations. Blockborn and Tezos have a $10 million incubator fund to deploy into Web3 games, and you can reach out to them if you're building something great. Uh, hey everyone, uh, I'm just going to get started. I'm going to play some some gameplay footage in the background while I talk about the game here. So uh, this is a quick video of our alpha demo, which is out right now. So I am Luke, CEO and lead developer of The Fabled. And uh, The Fabled is a free-to-play Souls-like action RPG bootstrapped by myself for three years before we got some funding last year and were able to raise a team of about 20 developers. Um, the premise of the game is pretty simple. You go through a level, fight enemies, defeat a boss, and uh, earn rewards. You collect in-game items, which you have the opportunity to mint onto the blockchain, which gives you access to the marketplace. Uh, the amount of mintable items is limited per season. Uh, eventually, we're going to have a multiplayer functionality where each player takes their character and uh, all their other NFTs and fights each other in pretty high-stakes PvP battles where they basically put their NFT on the line and the loser loses their NFT or it gets auctioned off to the community. Um, this also functions into our, our renting functionality where players can rent other characters on other players' behalf and participate in these, in these tournaments. So the game features an on-chain token called Abyss, which functions as a premium currency. Where players can use that token to get a discount on all purchases in the game and Abyss is used to level up characters, mint characters, weapons, and items. And Abyss can only be earned freely by soul binding a high-level NFT character. That kind of actually plays into what you were talking about um, earlier with, with how Binance is doing those kind of social those social token accounts. It's pretty much the same thing where this, this NFT now gets bound to your account permanently. And this helps to incentivize 
us and, and the token rewards so that it's only going towards people who are really dedicated to the game because you need a high level NFT character in order to start earning back some of those tokens. Um, a portion of all revenue is going to be going back into the uh, Abyss tokens as well. And uh, the game features seasonality, where every season, every six to eight months, um, we're going to have a new set of, of characters, levels, uh, and weapons for you to kind of explore and collect. So currently, uh, we have as our offer uh, an angel and a seed round open at about $2 million worth of tokens at a 16 and $25 million valuation. Now, we understand that you know, funding right now is pretty scarce in terms of Web3, and a lot of investors are risk off. So we want to extend the opportunity. If you have anything else you feel like you could offer us at the Fabled, we're obviously looking to acquire a lot more users um, in our alpha and, and in the game itself and get connected with industry partners in Web2 and Web3. So uh, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Perfect, Peach. Uh, really impressive, especially the fact that you started and bootstrapped it for three years alone. Yeah. That's uh, okay. That I'm, I'm, I have like ultimate respect for you. Uh, so we'll go with the the, the Q and A from uh, key leaders and VCs. Again, none of what we say here is financial nor legal advice. Every position that is expressed by the people here are their own. Uh, Ilya, maybe you can start. Yeah. So. So thank thank you for that presentation. That was awesome. It was awesome to see kind of some some footage as well. Uh, I'm curious. Right now, is a single player is a co-op mode available? Like how? So right now it's single player. Um, we're just testing things out before we take things into multiplayer and actually start implementing a lot more on-chain functionality as well. Mm-hmm. What What do you see in kind of what's the roadmap right now in terms of single player, co-op, multiplayer, and what is it? What do you foresee in terms of concurrency? Yeah, so uh, the goal right now is to kind of balance things out. Um, and we have our alpha out right now, which is split up into three phases. So the next phase of the alpha is coming out next month. And uh, the goal there is to kind of flesh out any kind of bugs or anything like that, get things stabilized so that we can start implementing multiplayer, which would um, primarily actually be PvP before co-op. Um, and in terms of the amount of players that we need here, like we can we can get like we're trying to get as many players as possible, obviously, but we actually are focusing on quality over quantity in terms of uh, the overall players who were like we don't just want cheap kind of um, people who who are button spammers and stuff like that. We want to build a really strong community. So for that, uh, we're really rewarding. The, the people who participate in events and contests and stuff like that that we have going right now, actually. Who is the target gamer? So this is actually interesting because it... So at first it was, you know, obviously anybody who plays Souls-like games and with the recent success of Elden Ring, it's it's pretty... Like, it, it's established itself as a, as a formidable force in, in the gaming industry as, like, Souls-like games are no longer a niche sort of product. Um, but we found that in terms of our the players who have gravitated to us the most, it's been actually a lot of people from the Asian, in particular Japanese region, who have uh, come come to us. Like we put no effort into marketing for Japanese, and uh, have had a massive boom in that community in across all of our channels. Um, and so, yeah, that that's just it kind of happened without any effort. So we're we're putting a lot more effort now into that sort of region of players. 
Got it. Got it. Thank you. I, I have a lot more questions, but just to be mindful uh, of everybody else, uh, I'll, I'll pass this along. I think Nico's next, and if, you, if we go in that order. Kind of clockwise, let's do it. Um, so as it, hap as it has, uh, Luke, two days ago, I finished Elden Ring. Um, right on. What kind of feedback have you gotten from souls like players or gamers um, that have tried your, uh, your game? Yeah, so we've gotten good like they're actually really impressed and they like they like the kind of refreshing see like one thing about Elden Ring is that once it's done it's it's done and then that's kind of it like there's replayability to some extent but there's no randomization in the items and once you've defeated a boss it's that's pretty much it and you've gone through the whole list of bosses and you're pretty much just waiting for the next title so they're pretty excited that the system that we have right now like we have a, a boss right now in the uh alpha that we have out and they know that another boss is coming next month and follow-up content after that that we have um so that's one of the things that they're most excited about is that we i think we've nailed the souls-like experience and now it's a matter of doing what we do best uh, at the fabled which is producing content really quickly um now so so you can always expect more from us and the the sort of climactic kind of boss fights never sort of end so that's the general feedback we've got. How are you able to, in terms of gameplay and content, compete with FromSoft, who had hundreds of people working on Elden Ring, you know, professional game developers, versus you who worked on it for three years on your own, and then now you obviously have a team with uh, yeah. 20 people, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you expect to complete, com compete with gameplay yeah. compared to a game like so, uh, Elden Ring? The thing with with a game like Elden Ring is that, and and FromSoft in general is that it's a it's a big studio. You probably have a couple hundred people actually at the studio itself, but a fraction of those are actually working on the game itself. Um, and once you have the pipeline down, it's pretty much a matter of of scaling that. Um, so we have the pipeline down. We have the team, at least to some extent. I mean, obviously. We don't have $200 million in funding and a couple hundred expendable people to work with, but we do have a team of some pretty hardcore developers who wear a lot of different hats. We have the core mechanics done already, that, like thanks to the work that I did there. Um, so now it's a matter of scaling things. And from the beginning, as a solo developer, we don't have like a lot of technical debt or anything like that that I'm sure that FromSoft has with their own kind of software that they've had to mold and, and 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 build over the past 20 years i'm working on kind of unreal engine 5 the newest kind of software uh for for game development there and and i've got i focused heavily on making the pipeline as efficient as possible because i anticipated doing this all by myself so i kind of had no choice but to naturally go into the the direction that was as optimized as possible in terms of production um so I think once you have that down, it makes things a lot easier to at least compete. Um, in a way, it's also important to know that we're not trying to compete in terms of like the scale of Elden Ring, but in terms of what we're actually bringing to the table, which is you can count on new content being released um, uh, at a relatively sh at relatively short intervals, which is something that Elden Ring. And FromSoft in general, that's just not their business model, so they can't really do anything like that. You got to wait another couple of years before you get any more content 
out of out of FromSoft outside of DLC. Got it. I'll, I'll pass it on to Will for now. Um, you mentioned that players choose when to mint. Can you kind of elaborate on that? So they receive an item and it's on them to essentially bring it and, and unlock kind of the Web3 elements. Correct. And then can you talk a little bit about the game in terms of someone who doesn't want to or doesn't yep. understand how to manage the kind of crypto elements versus someone who wants to be more involved on the blockchain side? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you collect items in, in game and these are just database items. They're, they're just hosted on an Amazon web, web service server. Um, from there, they have an opportunity to take those items and mint them. They don't have to do this if they don't want to. The game is absolutely free to play. Um, and, and to get in, all you do is make an account on our website and then go. And we're actually having a Steam page set up at the moment. So eventually it's just going to be you download it from Steam and you're, you're into the game. Um, the Web3 element comes when you want to gain access to the marketplace and participate in these like really high stakes PVP tournaments and such. Um, or if you want to earn any of the premium cur currency um, by yourself. So, and that, that process is pretty straightforward. You request to mint the item. There's only a, a limited amount of mints per season of that particular item. And, and then you just use your, your tokens or, or fiat currency or any other currency to, to facilitate that minting um, procedure where it then gets added to your inventory as a minted item. And you ha now have the opportunity to keep leveling up that item, keep getting it to a, a higher level in power, participate in these multiplayer tournaments and access the marketplace where you can now resell that item. And correct me if I'm wrong, but these these types of games are pretty expensive to, to build. It's an open world. It's a 3D game. It's So my, I guess my question is if it's free to play and there's no... Yeah. requirement on a player to engage in, in any of the, the NFT side of, of the business. How does the, the revenue model work? And that yeah. I know that, you know, these companies spend tens of millions of dollars, takes, you know, one or two years, they put out a large amount of content, they charge $60, whatever it is. So how does your business model work? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. So we've done the calculations and, and luckily like with a relatively small team that we have, our burn rates pretty low. So we don't need we can do well with like less than 10,000 players um, playing the game and spending maybe around 10 to $15 a month at the most. Um, and, and we would be in the green, not just like making back, um, you know, making back our, our expenses, but actually profiting off of this. Um, so we don't actually need quite like hundreds of thousands of players to get this thing to succeed. Less than 10,000 really you know, hardcore fans is really all you need for, for the fable to actually be in the green. And then kind of just a last, just, I'm more interested on, on your side, is this your, your, you know, your baby and this is all you want to do for the next 10, 20 years, or is the dream open a studio, build multiple games? Uh, the dream is probably eventually a studio and I'd, I'd, I'd hope to be able to pass the reins on to someone else eventually for, for, Maybe if the, I don't know, if we're going on like 10 years in the Fabled, eventually I'd pro I think I'd probably want to do something other than the Fabled after 10 years. But, um, I mean, if it works, it works. And I, I love building games in general. So, I mean, I've been on this for four years now. Um, so I, I see no reason to stop anytime soon. Great. Thank you. Passing it to, uh, to Jan. Thank you, Will. Uh, thanks, Luke. Um, great to see you. Um, wondering since you've been looking at this game for for a number of years now, 
have you from the get-go wanted to build this in Web3 or how did that decision come to be? Yeah, so originally it was actually built as a Web2 game and I pivoted over to Web3 uh, sometime in 22, it was two years ago, so 2021, um, when I saw the potential for implementing Web3 where it made sense. Like I saw how NFTs or just the blockchain technology in general um, allowed me to kind of expand on the overall game features and, and implement an actual functioning marketplace and all of these other kind of high stakes features that you don't really see in in Web 2 at all. Not that the infrastructure isn't there, but it's just not like the whole interoperability between networks that, that NFTs and blockchain technology allows uh, and this whole ecosystem gave me a lot more creative freedom here. And luckily, I also happen to be in contact with the people who, the company who's doing the backend infrastructure who uh, I had been in contact with before for their previous game called Dissolution. Uh, the backend infrastructure is, is Xenom. So they had a bridge and they they allowed me to, to not have to worry too much about picking exactly, you know, which chain to go on and all these other complexities involved in building a blockchain game. Um, they'd done it before and they got me up to speed with what the latest was and what my what my opportunities were here in this space and uh and then just kind of built it off from there so yeah that's a long way of saying like yeah 2021 <laughs> okay interesting um and how did you decide to, uh, to build the team and how how are the team members currently being kind of like yeah. what types of team members are you currently at so I I got introduced to our art director through Xenom actually, um, and I had a pretty high criteria. I needed someone who could keep up with my sort of work work um, speed, I guess I could call that. And um, and he he definitely fit the bill. He also was a really big fan of dark fantasy and and these souls like kind of games. So um, he was a perfect fit, and he happened to be teaching three D modeling and and had to, had worked in the AAA industry for a number of years um so he had a ton of connections of, of both new and upcoming people but also like really old uh partnerships that he had so utilizing his network i was able to get in contact with a bunch of extremely talented people and our team wears a bunch of different hats so like our art director he doesn't just direct art and do concepts he also does 3d modeling our concept artist doesn't just do 2d concepts he does level design as well um and and so on so everybody on the team is sort of like a superstar in this in this sense and in, in that they're not following these kind of rigid roles um and and are able to focus on a lot of different things and have a have a, a really big impact on on the overall game in its direction okay okay and how do you plan to to grow the team from from where it currently stands where do you see any gaps oh yeah uh, in terms of gaps, we could definitely scale the team. And, and like, like I said, everyone's wearing different hats. So if we hire, for example, like an animator, um, it really helps on, on that front. Uh, games like this especially are, are really heavily animation focused. So, so getting someone who can really fine tune the animations and help out on that side, uh, would be a huge help. Um, and someone who can help with the the blueprint programming, the stuff that I'm doing, because I'm not just the lead developer, I'm also the CEO of the overall studio, I guess you could call it. So um, getting someone to help 
on on those sort of tasks and allow me to sort of manage uh, more abstractly would would definitely help there as well. So those are the two roles in terms of development that we could that we would definitely be uh, scaling first. Okay, I think those were the main questions for me for now. I assume over to you, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, I was wondering as well. So you you've already raised uh, Angel Round, correct? Can you tell us more about about that? Who's been investing and yeah, and tell us more about a bit about this round. So uh, how much you're raising? Is there already other investors involved, etc.? Yeah, so we've raised um, kind of sporadically over the past year, um, and we have four different rounds uh, at different price points, and depending on the kind of investors that we have, uh, they will usually go be put into these different rounds. So right now we're led by GD10, uh, it was also helping on the marketing front and, um, and they have like an entire team that they're, they're helping us with. We also have concave partnerships in our seed round who's helped with marketing the ex people from PlayStation, uh, Sony PlayStation who helped with marketing Elden ring and uh, new Harry Potter game and such. So they're helping us really a lot on that front as well. Uh, and then we have some private investors and, and in, in the, we have a private round as well, where we have a community like, you know, crypto society and, um, uh, who else like, like games and stuff like that. Uh, and then obviously a public round for, for the, the public and, and DEXs and so forth. So altogether we've raised enough that we can get through the next year for sure. And, and get us to launch. Absolutely. Uh, and continue support uh, there on after. And when do you think you can achieve the first kind of milestone of 1,000 daily active users? Do you think do you have the time? Uh, that? Aim would be sometime probably mid quarter three of this year, hopefully. Uh, if not quarter four is what we're aiming for. We're, uh, the aim is to get at least 10,000 signups by the end of this year. Uh, we have over 500 in our closed alpha round right now, like we're, where it's just, we're only allowing basically investors and early community supporters to, to actually get access to this thing right now, uh, as we test things out and work on scalability, um, which is all going perfectly fine. So we're kind of slowly opening up the tap and, um, and letting people in, uh, goal is 10,000 by the end of the year. All right. Pretty good. Uh, is there anyone have a, is anyone, does anyone has, have a question? Sorry. Maybe to ask to rebond. Will? Yeah. I was, so it's a, it's a token only round that you're offering at the moment. There's no opportunity for equity. No, not at the moment. Uh, that's something we've been, we've been debating a little bit internally, but I can't, I, I don't have anything I could say publicly right now. Sure. And you guys are based out of Toronto. You're a, a Toronto company or? Uh, no, actually, I'm I'm in Toronto. Uh, most of the team, however, is kind of all over the world, uh, mostly in Europe, I would say. Okay. Those are my last ones before we go to that next round, Jeremy. Sure. Anyone else has a question? No? All good. All right. So uh, we will now ask uh, uh, the leaders and VCs to tell us, you know, their, their opinion, what they think. Are they going to invest, yes or no? Obviously, when they say yes, it's, it means that they are interested in following up the discussion and learn more. And if they say no, it means that at this stage and regarding this valuation and what you're asking for, they're not interested to follow up. 
So uh, we'll start with Ilya. So I'm not sure I'm like, this is fair because I, I've been in touch with Luke before. So uh, I've, we, we often say that, you know, we look for missionary founders and I think it's harder to be more missionary than working on the same, you know, on the game on your own, like for three, for three or so years. So I'm definitely interested in, you know, we've, we've been kind of to, to see how this progresses. Um, I think there's, there's a number of longer, longer form questions, uh, that come up, but I think it's, it's definitely interesting. And I think that, you know, the passion and dedication is, is definitely, that definitely seems to be there, which is, which is critical for, for, for us. Want to echo that last point. I think, um, we often try to look for product or market founder fit. Um, it absolutely seems to be the case here. And, uh, I really admire your, uh, your hard work. Um, we like to partner with teams and when we like to partner with teams, it's one of the reasons why we try to, if we can avoid only to token only runs, because we know that you know, if you're a games team, there's actually a pretty decent chance that your first game will not do very well or as, as well as you hope. And at that point you're in a, in a difficult position, right? You have these people that own your token and it's about tied to the game. Um, but you want to build a new game because first game doesn't seem to work out. And so for that reason, I think, um, this specific round is going to be, you know, not for us. Um, I want to give one more point of feedback, uh, point of critical feedback. Um, it's that, and I say this about games like what you're building, and I also say this about first-person shooter games. I think these types of games um, rely heavily on their very fine mechanics, right? On get the game being very fun and, and like twitchy and, and just feel good to play. And there's an incredible amount of effort that goes into making it work very well and very smoothly and so what i'm concerned for for games like this is um the added advantage of web3 is marginal in this case and i think it will only work at scale if the core gameplay is actually very strong and, and lives up to the, uh, to the standards that have been put there by its competitors so for any fps out there i'm looking is this as good as you know a call of duty or a counter strike or a valorant and for a game like yours, I'm looking at, like, is this as good as Elderly? Um, and um, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why I'm always insisting on, on um, well, it's it's an ambitious project. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, my feedback. Thank you. Yeah, obviously, spending three years building this on your own is is pretty massive. So, you know, kudos there. Um, I think for me, what what's hard for me to wrap my head around is when you look at other games that are, that are similar, like he's saying, with Elden Ring and everything, it's long product cycles. And it depends on a lot of people, you know, paying up front. And what scares me is this concept that you said you guys only need 10,000 players uh, to be sustainable. The question I'd ask is when you get to that 10,000 players, your management cost goes up as well, I'd assume. And if everyone's free to play and it relies, you know, only on people, you know, trading the NFT and, the, and, and using the token, that's a bit worrying. Um, but the main thing for us is, is kind of to, again, to echo Nico, it's, it's, you know, we're looking for equity rounds. We want partnerships. Misfits as a as an entity is looking to do esports, so for us PVP is a huge focus. Um, you know, fast twitch games stuff like that. Um, but I appreciate it, and obviously you're going to go far. Uh, so excited to see where you are, and and try and stay in contact if we can. Um, I think on on the positive side, I think it's great that you guys have a demo, and I think a lot of what I'm going to say actually depends on on the demo and how how it actually plays out. Um, what I do think there can be quite an an additional added benefit to this whole concept in my in my mind and kind of like actually being against what you said Nika is that um, having NFTs 
that you own and have them at stake and the ability to lose them towards other players for something that you've spent a lot of time to work towards can actually be quite interesting in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure if a Souls-like game per se is the best genre, but I think the, the general idea behind that is quite interesting. Um, so that's definitely, for me, something where I feel like this can go in a very right direction. Um, for me, there's a few question marks which um, are open. One is the gameplay itself. Um, so that's where kind of like the demo comes in without having played it. It's very difficult to say if, if the gameplay itself actually holds up to to the standard. And everybody that says Souls-like actually has to compare themselves to a Souls-like game, which are pretty damn good. Um, so it's not that easy to actually compare yourself to them. Um, the other one is I I would have to look into Xenom. I don't know the backend really well. Um, what they actually do, it doesn't seem to be for me a, a, an industry standard solution or um, in general something that I'm very familiar with. So that's for me another question mark. And the third one, um, and that's maybe a, a general um, point as well, is while I do see why superstars, quote unquote, are great to have in a team, I feel like there's a few roles which are very crucial, especially level design and game design, um, to have people with a lot of experience that are dedicated to it. And um, my gut feeling when I kind of like tried to understand how the team is currently set up was that there might not be enough um, power behind those very critical roles in this kind of game. Um, and that would be my, my third question mark. So I think to, to sum it up, if, if the demo um, does convince, I think there's there's a path for the conversation. Um, but otherwise, uh, similar feeling to, to what Will just mentioned. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. And I think so you have a, the alpha release, correct? Correct. So everybody can actually try it here. I mean, if you get access, like... Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I would say just give me your, your emails pretty much and we'll get you on the whitelist and then we'll continue the conversation okay fantastic so it was really really a great great pitch i'm really intrigued as well to to try it out i will try it and and uh, i'm excited to see the the 10,000 players by the end of the year i think it's possible i'm also so impressed by three years of of building and starting starting it out alone i think you are dead inside and that is great <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know as old builders are at some point so it's just I cannot even imagine through how many psychological mindset you you've been through. So I think if you made it this far, you're definitely go, going to go further. Um, so yeah, you will have some follow-ups here, and we'll monitor everything that's happening. We'll also be able, to, happy to partner further as part of Crypto Guild. And it was a great one. Thank you, everybody. Have a, have a good day, and see you next time for another episode of the Tavern. Bye. Thank you.